What are we to do when the world seems so chaotic? Well, there is one hope, and it isn't polygamy. Stay tuned for Polygamy, What Love Is This? We recently had the pleasure of hearing Karen Bradshaw's story of being raised and then married as a plural wife in the AUB polygamy group. Her journey is inspiring and uplifting, especially that she is being healed from so many hurts, neglect, and disappointments and loneliness that is dumped onto a polygamous wife's life. Her healing is coming from Jesus as she has turned to him for help and healing and truth. Being raised in Mormonism can be traumatic for several reasons, and one of them is that a person's value, according to them, is based on our performance. Failure, any failure, ensures rejection and shame. They promise God's love, but only if and when we do well. And sadly, most polygamists are not aware of God's absolute and unconditional love. <clears throat> It may shock many people to hear this, especially those in Mormonism, but God actually expects us to fail. We are all flawed humans, and that's why we need Jesus. Speaking for myself and others who have discovered the beauty of God's love and of biblical truths, we get excited to finally learn the truth about God, and Karen is now sharing that excitement. We want to jump up on the mountaintops and shout it to the Mormon world. You don't have to do all this. So to facilitate Karen's excitement, to share what she's learning, she is our guest again. And we are going to discuss some of the most profound truths that she has discovered thus far in her journey. Karen calls it 12 things we know we can have faith in. So to share her excitement, we welcome back as our guest, Karen Bradshaw, formerly of the AUB Polyamy Group. Yeah. Thanks again for coming and Thank sharing. You. Thank you. I'm so excited to be <laughs> here again. This is, this is just such a blessing to be able to share with people. And to share yes. what the truth really is. It, it is mm -hmm. uh, beyond words, the, the excitement of knowing the truth. Yes. As opposed to the lies we had been told for so many years. And, and so shocking, <clears throat> actually shocking to me when I started to read the truth and go, oh my goodness, Yeah, this is so different from what I ever knew. From what I was taught, exactly. Mm -hmm. So we had a list, we started out with these lists, and it was yes. your list to start with, and we added to it, and we tweaked yes. it a little here and there. We could have had 15 or 20 or 25 or 50 We kept going. I, I thought, I want 10 things I can put on a little postcard and hand out to my friends mm -hmm. to tell them what they what we can, can put their faith in. Right. And right. so that's what I wanted to share. And so you decided to do a show on it. Well, I think so. it's good that you wanted to share. It's a good way to it's a good way to get started in sharing it with others uh, yes. who watch the show. We had to be selective in some of the things and, and some of the parts on the list will bleed into the other parts because it kind of all is falls down like dominoes. And and so um, the first part of our list, the first part Number one on the list is the scriptures, right? Yes. That yes. We can put our faith and trust in the scriptures. Yes. Um, let's see. Oh, do I read it? Okay, mm -hmm. so Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, 
but the word of God stands forever. That kind of blew me away too, that his word stands forever. And how, what does forever mean? Eternity. It's, it's just, it's always there. And I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know his word. I, didn't I could trust it. It was there forever. I could trust it. And when I first read that, just it was almost like a supernatural change in my heart and in my thinking that all of a sudden I knew I could trust the Bible because God promised. Mm -hmm. And if God promised, how can he fail? Because his words are, are sure. Yeah, his words are sure. And this is repeated again in, in 1 Peter one twenty five in the New Testament. So there's two, te there's two testaments, the Old Testament and the New. It says it in the Old Testament. It also says it in the New Testament. So we yeah. can have faith in God's word. And learning the truth is that the truth of the Bible is really the most important thing to know. Because then everything else that we read from the Bible, we know we can trust it. That point. Yes, and as a Mormon, I never read the Bible. I mean, we heard stories from the Bible, but I never uh, studied it diligently. Right. I didn't really know we could trust the Bible. Right. So well, we I was taught we couldn't. So excited yeah. to to say, "Oh, I get to trust the Bible. What it says is what it means." Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we do read hard things, then that, that moves us to get in and study even deeper. And then we learn deeper truths. Yes. And Jesus affirmed also, he said in Mark 13, 31, he said his words would never pass away. He says, my words will never pass away. So now this is Jesus talking. So can we trust Jesus? Yes. Can we trust yes. what he said? That's exciting. <laughs> it is. And so Joseph Smith comes along and says, well, you know, we can't trust the Bible. It's only as far as it's translated correctly. So he, he in, in essence, tells us that Jesus and God lied. And there's some others in Psalm, uh, in a couple of Psalms there, that expresses how we can trust God's Word. Okay, let's see. So... Psalms 119.89 says, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Eternal? His word is eternal. Eternal, and it stands firm in the heavens. Yeah. So wow. It's controlled from there. No man can come and mess with it, you know, permanently. And Joseph Smith would say he was receiving new scripture, yeah. you know. yeah. And he, but he was going and changing the eternal word of God right. in the new translations or his translation of the Bible, mm -hmm. which and new revelations that didn't have anything to do with the Bible, yes. really. <laughs> and also in Psalms one thirty eight two, it says, "For you have exalted, or sorry, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word." Now look at that, the exalted all things. Above Joseph Smith, above Mormonism, above polygamy, above all the polygamous leaders, above all things, his name and his word is the highest. Wow. And what, what does he think about all that when people come and change his word or say, well, we don't believe it? Isn't that mm -hmm. nice to know as we study and learn that? Yes, that you can trust in it. And, and also, the Bible historic, is historically accurate. In, in John 10.35, Jesus said, The Scripture cannot be broken. 
And, and so but we have to trust that God, that Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, is telling the truth. And the gospel accounts repeatedly tell us how events in Jesus' life took place and mm -hmm. that it was to fulfill the Old Testament. How many times have you read the scriptures and it said, to fulfill the scriptures, this happened, or to fulfill the oh, scriptures, yeah. Jesus yes. said or did this? Yes, many times. That's what's so wonderful was that it was all about Christ. It was all about His, the scriptures were uh, telling us of His life and what was, you know, that He was God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that he was coming to save his people from their sins. And that's what the Old Tes Testament predicted, and that's what Jesus did. So we can trust it. And, and then, of course, there's fulfilled yes. prophecy. There's historical events that, that have taken place. Uh, the prophecies uh, are fulfilled exactly as they were predicted through the Old Testament. And, and so we know that it's correct, at least in that. Yeah, and category. as a child, I, you know, we were taught that you, uh, the Bible was, it's not translated correctly. But that's such a lie because all of the scrolls that they're finding now, it's mm -hmm. translated perfectly. The Dead Sea Scrolls shows that they it was transmitted correctly. And so God's word is never changing. It is eternal. Yeah, it's been proven <laughs> that it's way. It's been right? proven. Yeah, somebody said, and I've not done the counting myself to, to do this, so I'm just saying that somebody else has said that. There was over 300 prophecies of Jesus' first coming, his birth, death, life, resurrection, and crucifixion, and all that. And there's over five, and they all came to, to they all happened precisely as they were predicted. Wow. And then there's over 500 prophecies of his second coming. And so the, the point being, what are the chances of those being fulfilled correctly? If the first 300 were, wouldn't the rest of them also be trustworthy? Yes. yes yeah, I, think so they, I think they are. Yes, I think so too. So, uh, and then just a note to, before we go to our next one, that uh, for those who don't trust the Bible, who don't believe it or, or have doubts about it, it was the devil who first suggested that we couldn't trust God's Word in the Garden of Eden to, uh, to Eve. It was the right. devil that first <laughs> said God's word can't be trusted. And then Joseph Smith comes along and says the same thing. So that's just something to think about. Now, the second one on your list is come actually comes in several different parts. So this is going to be um, part number one, that God, that is real, that God exists. There is a God and there's one God and we can put our faith in that. Now, so many people leave polygamy and they just throw God out. That's sad. Yeah, it is sad. But we can trust. And God is good. We don't have to worry about Him coming along with a whip and a chair, you know, to tame us down because He's a good God and His love is unconditional. And the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And when you look at that, we have to understand that that is not saying that we love our religious leaders or our church or our religion with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength but god only god not our church but we as polygamist i remember that was you know we could never say anything um, against the leaders right it was always um to or, love them or against the religion but, but they you know they taught that you should love god they taught the ten commandments mm -hmm. but then they didn't 
it was like they taught it, but then they they taught about the Ten Commandments, but did they teach about grace? Yeah, because that's the important part of it all. Yeah, grace was yeah down there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't understand grace. And God's very existence, by the way, is His beauty and His glory is manifest in creation. We quote Psalm 19 verses one through four, and it says, "The heavens declare the glory of God; the skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech; night after night they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth; their words to the end of the world." Now that is. Everyone on this planet in, in all ages, past, present, and future, are able, and in every location, are able to share the visual beauty and manifestation of the wonders of God's creation. And even as I was thinking about this, even those who go in outer space, even those who go to the moon yes, and, and up, amazing, off actually. of the earth can see the, the beauties of God's creation. So mm, we can amazing. know and trust God and the beauty of God. The next one is that Jesus Christ is God. And this is something that that both of us, we in our discussions... That have, blew me away. That blew me away. Oh, I don't even goodness. have words for the shock I just, like, when I found out Jesus was God. Yeah. And we have some wonderful scriptures from the Old Testament that we want to share with our viewers. So Isaiah 43.10 says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Wow, that just... Isn't that nice? It, it just, it's so opposite of, you know, what we were taught is we can become gods, and our parents are going to be gods, and our grandparents are going to be gods. But he's saying that there's no gods before him, and there's no gods after him. Right. He's the only one. And that just is amazing. And one thing I didn't know at first, and we were talking about this, and I don't think that you were aware of it either, that in that scripture where it says, Thus saith the Lord, or saith the Lord, those are all capital letters. L-O-R-D are all in capital letters. And in the Hebrew, that's in the Hebrew language, and in translated, transliterated into the English is Jehovah. And of course, all of Mormonism believes that Jehovah and Jesus Christ are the same person, right? Mm-hmm. So when we say, "Thus say," or "Thus you are my witness," saith the Lord, He's saying, "Saith Jehovah." Jehovah, the Lord is Jehovah, and and Jehovah is Jesus Christ. So He is the God, the only God. We have other scriptures to share as well. Isaiah forty-three. 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. <laughs> and Isaiah 44, 6 says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and besides me there is no God. Now that just reaffirms over and over again the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that word Lord still is in all caps, which is Jehovah. In the wow. Hebrew, from the Hebrew language, it actually is that. Anybody doubts this, you can go check this out for yourself. So Jehovah is the King of Israel. Jehovah is the Savior. Jehovah is God. And there's no other. There is there's, no other. There's no other. But as a Mormon, I was taught that there was a royal line of saviors. That uh, one, the Savior's going to go and be a God of his earth, and then he's going to have a son, Jesus Christ, for that world. Yeah. 
and it goes on like that. It's a royal line of saviors. Mm -hmm. And so any God could become a savior. Mm -hmm. That means any man could become a savior. Right, right. But this says, there is no savior beside me. Right. There's no, There's no one else beside mm -hmm. the one. The one and only, and and that also can can go to ourselves. We can't. We're not a savior. We can't. I can't save you. I can't save me. I can't save anybody. And yet, early Mormonism, and even in today's, some I've heard them say we're the saviors of the world because we baptize for the dead. But they're not the saviors. Yeah, and they're saviors on Mount Zion yeah. because they do the work for the dead. Yeah, yeah. First Kings 18.39 is when Elijah is fighting the false prophets of Baal. And he says, and it says in, in 18.39, when all the people saw what he was doing, when they saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. The Lord is God, right? <laughs> yes. One God, the God. There's only one God. And the Lord is God. And the Lord is Jehovah. So. Jesus Christ is God. Yeah, it's so simple. And in Timothy 2, 5, it says, Now this, when I read this scripture, it just pierced my heart. And because I had never, I heard it, but I didn't really understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think as Mormons, they hear it, but they really don't understand it. That's they how I... Because they because they because their religion teaches the opposite. And it, it's like the blinders fell off. Mm -hmm. And it says... For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the, the man Christ Jesus. And I went, what? There's one God mm -hmm. and one mediator? And it's Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. So how can their bishops, how can their prophets, how can any of these guys, or even your plural husband or whomever, how can they be mediate between you and God? There's nobody else. There's no leaders you know there's no one jesus said he tore that veil from top to bottom when mm -hmm. he died and he gave us direct access to him because he's the only one that's that right. can that's right and it's like these leaders are the ones that set themselves up and then they can say oh you can't be forgiven right right Sorry. you have to go to them to confess you have yeah. to go to them to receive forgiveness Your sins or are too great and they tell you what to do to to repent or or you know all the the penance you need to do to get forgiven mm -hmm. and that's all a fraud it's a fraud because yeah. jesus is the only mediator yes and as soon as we repent his love fills us his cleansing power washes us clean yeah and we know we're forgiven. Oh. We don't have to wait for five years. And we don't have to carry that shame around either, <laughs> which we did, uh, at least I experienced that in the Kingston group. Oh, yeah. You know, we That's carried true. that shame forever because we had failed in this one area, then we were forever a failure in that area. The one mediator thing I think was beautiful. I'm with you, when I, when I first learned that, I was just delighted. And then there's only one high priest, which, of course, in a sense, is also a mediator. But a high priest in the Bible, the Old Testament, they only had one high priest at a time, and he was high priest until he died. Now, the Mormons come along, and they have all these high priests, myriads of high priests, you know. And, and, and yet, Jesus is alive. He's our high priest. He's alive, and he never dies. He will never die again. He will be a high priest forever. 
And so, he's the only Melchizedek priesthood holder. Right, the, according to or, Hebrews. Or the only Mel, the in only, the order of Melchizedek. Right, in the order of Melchizedek. Right. See, we don't understand that as Mormons. Right. But he's that that's another thing that blew me away, that he was that high priest. Mm -hmm. He's the only one. The in, only high priest. We only need one. We only need one. And, and who better to be our high priest than God, our Savior? Yes. And God. <laughs> Nobody else could even then, even. Re in fact, it says that in Hebrews chapter seven, uh, verse twenty-three through twenty-five. It says, "Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them." We come to God through Jesus, not through polygamy, not through the AUB, not through Mormonism or Joseph Smith or the Kingston Group. We come to God only through Jesus Christ. Yeah, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. There's only one way, uh -huh. and no one comes to me, but, I mean, there's thieves and robbers that are trying to get to him, mm -hmm. and that's what we become as Mormons. Trying to get there so some it, other way. There's, it's not the right path. It's just through Him that we, it's so simple. And it's lovely, isn't Even it? Even a child can mm -hmm. understand Even that. a child, absolutely. That's what's wonderful about mm -hmm. it. So, um, let's see. So Jesus said... Um, and this was your remark in the New Testament. Oh, yeah. So, um, Jesus says, believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in Christ and you'll be saved. But Joseph Smith said to his plural wives or her perspective, plural wives, uh, marry me and I will give you salvation and all your family. He told these young girls this, 14-year-old mm -hmm. Belay Campbell's yeah, daughter. Yeah, he told her that. Um, what was her name? Um, Helen Mark Helen Kimball. Helen Mark Kimball. Mm -hmm. And he told others too. He told Nancy Walker the same thing. Many, many of them. And, and then he'd say, oh, you know, I've been threatened. I mean, he, anyway, my, my comment was just, Jesus Christ said, come unto me, and you will be saved. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. And Joseph said, come unto me. Yeah, As marry a me. wife, and yeah. you'll be saved. And Helen Mark Kimball said she never realized that he was going to be with her as a husband. Right. And that if that was the case, she would have never gone through and with it. And she said that. She said, they deceived me. They deceived me. That's what she put in her journal. Yeah, but we don't know these things. Yeah. You know, as as. Oh, I sure polygamist. never knew those things when I was growing up. They don't Never. tell you the history. Right, right. <laughs> so it's exciting right. to find out about that. Yeah. And, and one thing that we found out, another point that we have is that the cross of Jesus Christ, which is mostly sidestepped by Mormonism, is there, but, but um, they don't know the power of the cross. They don't teach it, and they don't even understand it. Mm -hmm. But the cross is the story of our salvation. Wow. And we'll probably be interrupted as we go through this because this is quite a, a long uh, discussion of verses and so on because it's going to include the new and everlasting covenant, which is, takes us into a fraudulent new and everlasting covenant. But let, let's take it a step at a time. So the cross is the story of our salvation. Somebody says, why do you wear a cross? Uh, isn't it just a, a, a symbol of shame and of murder? That's what Mormons and, and I say, no, it's, a, it's the story of my salvation. It's, the, it's very important. And, and Hebrews 7.22 says, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better 
covenant. Mm. So again, not polygamy has become a guarantee of a better covenant. Jesus Christ. So again, it's all Jesus, isn't it? It all goes back to Jesus. (laughs) And then in Hebrews, I think you had one you wanted to share from Hebrews 8. So it says um, Hebrews 8, 6, but the ministry, sorry. So, but the ministry Jesus had received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. And it is found on a better promise. On better promises. A better promises. Right. And that's talking about the covenant that Jesus inaugurated as the new covenant. The new and everlasting covenant. Well, the new and everlasting covenant of Joseph Smith is something else. Yeah, but Jesus' covenant is, that, that's another thing that just blew me away when uh, the scriptures talk about the new and everlasting covenant yeah. is in Christ yeah. and His blood. It's Him. Uh-huh. In fact, He said it's in His blood in Luke twenty two twenty, where it says in the same way after the supper, He, Jesus, took the cup saying, quote, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. That's the covenant in his blood, just like you said. And, and, and Joseph Smith brings a new and everlasting covenant? Polygamy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, okay. When is yeah, this? That, that was so exciting to find out that Christ is the new and everlasting covenant. It wasn't, um, it wasn't polygamy that we had to live. But when, plural marriage. But when Joseph Smith, in section 132, came up with the New and Everlasting Covenant, he is, in effect, setting aside Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and replacing that with this New and Everlasting Covenant of celestial marriage. That's what he's doing. Yeah. I don't think that Mormons or polygamists realize that. I don't think they realize the depth of that action of what it's doing. I don't think so either, because they, it's like that's all that's important to them, is living that law. Mm-hmm. They think that's what's going to get them, that's, that's going to exalt them. That's our exaltation. They're trying to yeah. do that so they can be exalted mm-hmm. as God. Mm-hmm. And become God when there isn't even any other God anyway. So polygamy or celestial marriage has become the savior of, of the early Mormons and of today's polygamists rather than Jesus. Yeah, and we don't even realize that we've replaced plural marriage with our Savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our Savior was just a stepping stone. And, and then get. they ridicule the cross. Why do you wear that cross? That's just a weapon of murder. When it's, mm-hmm. it's our salvation and polygamy is not. So this mm-hmm. covers our, our, first, um, our first portion of this. We'll probably be doing two or three as we go through each of these point by point and discuss the things that meant so much to us when we rejected all that Joseph Smith taught and, yes. um, and accepted what, what the Bible taught. And um, it makes such a difference the way we see life and the way we see each other to know what the truth of the Bible really is. Yeah, yes, a lot more grace and a lot less uh, perfection or demanding perfection from others. Works, all those works. Mm-hmm. All those those self-righteous works is, is actually what they are. 
So we'll be talking about that more. Uh, we're out of time for today's program, but watch next time uh, as Karen Bradshaw comes back and we continue on with our list of things that we can truly have our faith in. Thanks for watching. See you next time. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.